This is My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 107. Well, hello, folks, and welcome back to another edition of My Car Guru. I've actually been doing some homework the last couple of days. I'm trying to understand battery chemistry. I'm really trying to dig in and see, okay, is this whole EV thing really going to happen like everybody thinks it is? You know, California has decided that after, well, starting in 2035, that there can be no more new vehicles sold, new cars, passenger cars. I don't know what they're going to do about over-the-road trucks and things like that. But anyway, passenger cars that run on internal combustion, uh, meaning gasoline. I don't, uh, probably diesel for light-duty work. But anyway... They are going to ban them, so everything has to be electric. That's California, and that's anybody else who follows California's guidelines, which is probably Massachusetts, New York. Yep, they're going to be banned. But don't worry, because I am on top of this, and I know how to do research, because I went to the University of Tennessee, and I graduated with high honors. So I learned how to do a little bit of research, even though it was a long time ago. So let's just get into it. What's going to restrict EVs is not necessarily the demand for EVs, which isn't going to be there either. Uh, And it's not necessarily because the ability to to build vehicles, because they can build them. They can crank them out. They just can't build enough batteries. Folks, the battery technology is there. They know how to do it, but they can't get what they need to build them. Let's talk about the periodic table of elements. What is that? Well, it's all of the known elements in the universe. Um, With emphasis on known, there's probably some unknown ones that we haven't discovered yet, different combinations maybe of, of atoms and so forth. But the organizing basis of chemistry and really a lot to do with physics and other sciences, is the periodic table of elements. As I understand it, there are 118 known elements. Now let's just focus on what's in batteries here for just a minute. You know, everybody talks about lithium. Lithium this and lithium that. Yeah, lithium is an important ingredient in batteries. But there's a lot of other important stuff. You leave any of them out, then uh, it's kind of like baking a cake. I mean, if if you leave one component out, it's not going to be very good. It could be a pinch of salt. I don't know. Does salt go in cake? Well, I'm not a cook, obviously. I'm also not a scientist or a chemistry major. It's one of the reasons why I am in the car business is because Mr. Kalal, that was his name, in the 10th grade, he said, Lenny, you should probably go into your dad's business. Let your brother Wendell be a doctor. He really didn't say that, but I bet he was thinking it, though. Anyway, let's talk about some of the elements in batteries. Graphite, 28.1% of batteries is made up of graphite. Aluminum, 18.9%. Nickel, 15.7%. Notice we haven't gotten to lithium yet, yet that's all they talk about. Copper, 10.8%. Steel, what? Yeah. 10.8% is also, uh, of of batteries, is steel. Manganese, 5.4. Cobalt is 4.3. Lithium, there we are. 3.2% of the battery composition is lithium. And iron, 2.7%. 
I didn't bother to add up all those numbers. I wonder if that's 100. There's probably a few other things in there. Here's the problem. Getting the stuff out of the ground. Now, I know that you hear a lot of, of people say that uh, EVs are going to make a huge difference in the ecosystem, in, in you know, things like global warming. Um, it's really not. The oil companies are convinced that if you totally eliminate passenger cars, you know, everyday cars that we all drive to get to and from work, go on vacation stuff, if you eliminate the fuel usage of all of those vehicles, it will not just go away. It's going to be used by something else. The oil companies are not worried at all. Why would that be? It's because they're smart and they know something that the people that are in control right now don't, well, let's say that they know it or they don't know it or they won't accept the facts. So, you know, what is it going to take to be able to provide the electricity? That's a whole other topic we're not going to get into today, but I guarantee a lot of it involves burning coal and natural gas in order to create electricity. You are not going to be able to build enough windmills, offshore windmills, onshore windmills. You know, solar power is not going to get it done. It just can't generate that much electricity. So why all the push for EVs? Because it sounds good. Because it, it really plays well in politics, and it's because cars are such an important part of everyday life for the average American. We can't live without our cars, so they don't need to be talking about the industrial needs for electricity and gasoline and so forth. All they need to talk about is what's closest to home for you and me, and that's our automobiles. So they're trying to convert us into something that you know, th that the world cannot supply. Think about the mines that are created searching for things like lithium and cobalt. There's this huge cobalt mine in the heart of Africa. That cobalt mine employs a lot of very, very poor people, including children. If you go online and look at uh, the videos of people mining cobalt, you will be alarmed because it is a very labor-intensive, and I mean they don't have a whole lot of equipment to do this with. This is done with baskets and kids picking through mud and muck to get these chunks of cobalt or ch chunks of rock that have cobalt mixed in with it. I mean, it's crazy. But the craziest part is who owns those mines? It's not the Africans. It's not anybody in Africa. It's China. China is the one that bought all of the mines in Congo. That's in the heart of Africa. And they continue to be the world's leading source of mined cobalt. And without cobalt, you can't make batteries. You can make batteries without lithium, but they just they don't hold a charge long enough. See, that's the, that's the issue with batteries is, you know, some materials are really good at charging really fast, but they lose a lot of their power or their stored power quickly. Other types of batteries are slower to charge, but they lose their uh, ability to hold the electric charge f over a longer period of time. 
So you got better range. There's all these different mixtures, different chemistries of stuff that they have uh, are working to put together. They just haven't figured out the right combination. They, they keep talking about solid-state batteries. So I did some research on that. They need to stop talking about it because we're not close. They haven't figured out how to make them work. And with all the knowledge and experience and all the people that have been working on that, if they haven't figured it out by now, when's that going to happen? Well, it's not going to happen over the next 10 years. So you can just go ahead and buy your gasoline-powered vehicles. They're not going away. Nobody's going to take them away, even in California or Massachusetts. You don't have to worry about it because it's just not going to happen. Right now, electric vehicles make up about 5% of total vehicle sales. Most of the experts in the industry are now saying that it's going to at most be around 10% of the total retail volume. So who's been buying all the electric vehicles that have been sold? Well, there are a certain classification of people. It's mostly people 45 and under. Uh, and it's also folks who are who basically identify as early adopters of technology. They're the people that, well, kind of like me, you know, when the new iWatch or Apple Watch comes out or a new iPhone, they're the first one down there got to have it. You know, I, I, I'm kind of a gadget guy. There's a lot of people like that, although I have not gone for the electric vehicle, even though I sell them and love driving them. Don't get me wrong. They're great. They drive super but it's the charging thing that, that gives me pause and the way I use a vehicle. But we are selling them, and people are buying them in that age group and that demographic. Oh, one more thing. They make in excess of $100,000 a year. And in many cases, this isn't their only vehicle. I mean, they, they might even have three vehicles in their garage. So this is just an extra thing that they have bought that they can afford, and they, they do it. That's why... You know, the manufacturers are really thinking, or not the manufacturers, but the people who observe the industry are saying, okay, this thing's going to slow down. It's already slowing down because of a lot of people that wanted them have them already. And now you're bumping into that crowd who's not so sure about electric vehicles. They're gonna ha it's going to have to be proven to them that this is a viable thing. You know, maybe when all the Ford dealers sign up for this EV program and they have charging stations at every Ford dealer, that will help. You know, when uh, all General Motors and Ford people and I think even Honda and Toyota have signed up with Tesla to be able to use their charging network. Just think about how crowded that's going to make the Tesla superchargers when you go to fill up with electrons. That could be a long wait. Well, I won't have a long wait. I'm going to take about a minute break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. See, don't you feel better? You're not going to have an electric vehicle crammed down your throat. Although I can think of worse things. You know, when I ordered my F-150 Power Boost, which is a hybrid, I also ordered an F-150 Lightning. I said I would buy the one that came in first. Well, the Power Boost came in first. I'm glad. I love the Lightning. I mean, it's still here. We've been using it as a demo. We love to drive. I love driving that thing. It is so powerful and smooth and quiet. And it has about 320 to 350 miles of range. And, you know, it's obviously going to be cheaper to drive because you don't have to fill it up. I mean, somebody said, well, how much does it cost to fill it up with electricity? And I said, well, between 8 and $15, you know, depending on when you 
you know, when, when you plug it in because the, the rates are higher at certain times of day. And you may even find some places that have free charging. You know, a lot of businesses do. Now, most of those chargers are level two chargers, which, you know, you're not going to get much. You might spend three hours in the, the shopping mall and get an extra five or ten miles worth of charging. I mean, those things have to charge. A level two charger will charge the typical electric vehicle in about eight hours. So, you know, it's not going to be very fast. But now, most superchargers, which are level three chargers, you're going to have to pay for that. And unfortunately, a lot of them aren't very reliable, except Tesla. Now, they've figured it out. Now, I'm getting ready to install chargers at, at my dealership. Uh, a couple level twos that will be outside, and then a level three. But it's going to be like a, a gas pump. So you're going to have to have either an app on your phone to be able to uh, use it to plug in and get electricity, or you're going to have to you know, put a little, have a credit card reader that you can use. What am I going to charge? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to charge more than it costs me for the electricity. Well, Lenny, why are you going to do that? Well, because I have to recover my investment. I'm investing, hold on to your hats, about $300,000 in all of the required charging equipment that Ford is making. Well, not making me. I could elect to not do it at all, but then I wouldn't be able to sell electric vehicles at all. And that probably wouldn't be that big of a deal as far as overall sales. But it may be in the future, and it also could affect, I think, long-term my relationship with the company. So I decided to take the plunge. A lot of the cost, or really, I would say 50% at least of that cost is inside my building. I have to upgrade my electrical service in my building, and I have to put a level 2 charger in every other stall in my uh, dealership for my mechanics, mechanical stalls, you know, where they work on the cars. So that's expensive, and I won't use those pr probably ever. I mean, I might use two or three of them, but only in the stalls that where my Ford technicians work. But who knows? You know, maybe I'll, there'll be a greater need for that. And uh, But uh, most of the cost, at least 50% of the cost, is outside on the Level 3 charger. And it'll just look like a big gas pump and has two different plugs that you can plug into, and I have to put lighting and nice concrete, and I have to set up bollards, you know, these big metal things to keep people from running into the expensive device. Just the, the well, I call it a pump. You know, it looks like a gas pump, but just the charger itself. My price from Ford is $84,000 for that. Is that not crazy? But it's got a lot of technology in it, and... They're probably gouging me some. and uh, But the labor, just, well, I take that back. It's not just labor. It's, it's a lot of wire and stuff like that. But I have a contractor that's putting it in for me, and his bill is going to be 160 I know. It's sad. But if you're doing it at your house, you just need to run a, a circuit, a 220 circuit to your garage. And then uh, you can go. I was just looking at Home Depot online. They've got level 2 chargers. Uh, anywhere from, uh, well, I think they're 30 to 50 amps and about 240 volts. Here's one that's 40 amps. It's $279. So you could use that to, to uh, charge your electric vehicle overnight. So that would be your only extra investment. I, when I took the, the Mach-E home, that's the 
kind of Mustang. You know, it's got a horse on the front of it. And uh, plugged it in. I plugged it into a 110 outlet, and it basically told me it would take four days to charge it on 110. So that's really not good. So you really need one of these, and you need to have an electrician install it. So you're going to do that? Well, some will, and some won't. Most won't until they have to. Uh, I run into all kinds in my showroom, and the, and the, the guy today, matter of fact, he was looking at my 65 Mustang convertible. He said, tell me what you think about these electric cars. Well, you know, they've already formed their opinions, but they're looking for some additional information, and I just try to educate people. You know, I'm, I'm, I know it. I sound anti-EV. What I am anti-about are the lies that are being told about EVs. I like an electric car. I mean, it's amazing how they perform and how they ride and how quiet they are. I mean, they have some wonderful features. Plus, you don't have to buy gas. It's probably it's gonna definitely gonna be much cheaper to operate, no doubt. But how much more does it cost? And if you go on a trip, what are you gonna run into as far as charging? Those are uncertainties. Those are uncertainties that we have, as Americans have not had to worry about. We've had to worry about the price of gasoline. You know, that does affect the lifestyles of a lot of folks. I'm not going to deny that, and you can't either. But who controls electric prices? The government. They do. They, they set rates. They control the utilities. They can tell the utilities to turn it off. We're not going to use any more because we're not going to generate power when it's not raining. They can think up of any kind of reason. You know, because Lake Mead in, in near Las Vegas doesn't have enough water in it. Turn off the electricity. Then nobody can go around or get around. The thing I like about oil companies is that, is that they are not owned by the federal government. They are owned by shareholders. And they, you know, of course, there's all kinds of regulations on oil companies, just like there are a lot of regulations on any business or lots of businesses, even car dealers for that matter. But the thing is, they can pump as much as they want to. They can run it through their gas stations, and they can set their own prices. They are not restricted by the government. But when it comes to retail electricity rates, uh, the charges that utilities can charge are, are based primarily on rates approved by state regulators. Uh, now, there are a number of states that have allowed retail marketers to compete to serve customers. I think that's probably the case in Upper East Tennessee. I can't remember the name of the company, but it is independent of the government, and they're able to set rates. But there are still controls on rates. And that doesn't make me real, feel real comfortable when it comes to becoming totally dependent upon electricity rates for vehicles, you know, and for charging vehicles. That's kind of scary. Okay, I'll take my last break, and I'll be back here in just one minute. So go out and buy you an electric car. There's a lot of people say, heck no. But I tell you, I'm honestly, I would buy an electric vehicle as my second vehicle. For my wife to drive, yeah, I'd buy one. You know, I'd buy one because I like the way they drive and how quiet they are and they, the way they perform and, and that just brutal acceleration. I just love that. Now, I also love that I don't have to put gas in something. So it would cost less overall. But it's not going to be my only vehicle. So I know as I talk at Am I talking out of both sides of my mouth? Yes, you are, Lenny. Well, I'm really not. Because you can feel both ways. But see, I have an advantage. I am a car dealer, and I own 
a bunch of electric vehicles out here that, that I need to sell, want to sell, and will sell to somebody because there's a lot of like-minded people who think that, elect- that EVs are the way to go, and that's the future. I just don't share that opinion because of the research that I've done and the fact that it really doesn't make the world any better off. It's just another form of propulsion. That's one way to look at it. It's just another way to make a car go down the road. You know, I'm in the lawnmower business now. We sell Ferris lawnmowers and, and Simplicity and Snapper. And I was talking to a guy one day, and he said, you know, there's not a whole lot of difference in the lawnmowers. They all make tall grass short. I said, you know, you have a good point. But I tell you what, I really like it when my Ferris mower glides across my yard because of the automotive suspension that it has. And he said, well, that, that's a little bit of difference. So electric vehicles have their advantages, and internal combustion engine vehicles have their advantages. Um, they both have disadvantages as well. And you just have to look at your situation and think about what's best for you. I do recommend that, that people lease electric vehicles because I think that the uh, technology is going to change rapidly and you don't want to buy something that you really don't know how it's going to depreciate. So for goodness sake, lease it. And I'm seeing a lot of good lease deals on the EVs that we sell. So that would be the Mach-E and the Lightning F-150. But do what's best for your circumstances. If you can get a really good payment on one and it's comparable to what you would pay for an internal combustion engine vehicle that's similar in size, think about what you'll save as far as filling it up with gas versus filling it up with electrons. Uh, It could make a big difference in your budget. But just do the math. That's the important thing. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Feel free to give me a call or text me at 423-552-2020. I'll help you decide which way you should go. And also, if you want to know what your vehicle is worth, if you want me to pull a service history for you, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to do that for free. I do it for people all the time. That's a part of being in the guru family. I take care of my family. Uh, Or you can send me an email to LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. Well, I'll talk to you next time.